introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pitches it to Mo Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! And welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we're back. We took a little bit of time off. You know, had some things going on, but we're here. Not the full crew. It's, you know, recording on a Thursday. JR's doing the real football thing. But I got the other two guys here. I got QB17, wide receiver one, and we're going to do the damn thing. So let's uh, let's jump right into it here. Miles, my man. How you doing? What up? How you been? I'm good. Things are good. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And uh, and Saxy Prince of the no headphones and the slight echo. How are you, yeah, my man. friend? I'm good. I'm good. Let's get to it. All man. right. We got some things to talk about. We do. We do. We do. And and while we're doing this, you know, when you, you know when you don't have the headphones on, we need you to turn our volume down as much as you can and still hear us so that we don't get the echo, the feedback, hearing ourselves in here. And let's jump into it. And I'm going to start with you, Saxy Prince, because you stirred up a little bit of a... Here we go. You stirred up a little bit of something, a little in, bit of controversy, a little bit of, of, of heat, anger, whatever you want to call it, in the uh, CTP group chat. And then later on, on the round table, because uh, as Miles would say, you've been, you've been a little quiet. He had nothing to say for a month. You've been a little <laughs> quiet for about a <laughs> month. And here of late, uh, really up here, just after this one game, you know, mm-hmm. Kirk, Kirk looked like Kurt, and uh-huh. uh, tell him, and uh, and and you you popped up, and uh, and finally, uh, you you were able to speak again. You had a lot to say after Ooh. this game, so yeah. uh, must, must have been too hot for a month. Yeah, it was hot for a month. We know you've been holding yeah. on to these things, so let's mm-hmm. just go ahead and get it out the way. After like this case performance, case, like what are your thoughts? Where are you at? What's going on? Why were you out here making Flip so upset, man? Um, you know, it's it, it, it was a hard month. I'll, ha- I'll have to say that it was definitely a hard month because uh, I had to remain silent and not talking is uh is, is a difficult thing for me. But um, Kurt re- reared his ugly, ugly head again after having a a solid month of of stellar performance. But do you know why he had a solid month of stellar performance? Because Kufanski realized exactly what I've been saying for I don't know how long. Run the offense through this man, Stefan Diggs. And when they started doing that, when he had back-to-back games, when he was the feature guy, when he was getting fed the ball, when he was like the first look, you saw the offense click a little bit more. You saw other guys getting involved as well, too. But you knew that the offense just worked better when it was ran through Stefan Diggs. And thus, Kirk Cousins performed at a high level. But also, not to take it completely away from Kirk, he did look a little bit more comfortable um, this last month, and that obviously played a huge role into the Vikings being a lo- lot more efficient on the offense. But, as I knew would eventually happen, um, the inconsistency that is Kurt Cousins uh, came back. And because of that, the Vikings lost a very, very winnable game. And it's this is this has been my biggest fear. It's kind of the you know, it's kind of the the, the kingdom conundrum in in this respect because they're not they're not the same players in any kind 
uh, state of the mind. I feel like uh, Case Keenum in uh, 2017 obviously was performing at a very, very high level, pretty inconsistently, and I was worried that when we got to the playoffs that he was going to, uh, he was just going to choke. And Kurt, three times this, this season, has been that player where he has played to his floor, and his floor will absolutely ruin this team. And my biggest concern, not the pre, not the regular season, because I think we could still sneak in. We could be a, a twelve and four, eleven and five type team getting us to the playoffs. But then I, my biggest concern is that guy is going to show up time and time again when we don't need him to show up. When the lights are too big, when he, when he's called upon to really carry the offense consistently week in and week out, is my biggest concern. So great for him for the last month, but I think. The guy that we saw against the Chiefs is more of the guy that I'm going to rely on him being than anything. Yeah, so I, I guess I continue to struggle with this because it's one of the things I said on the timeline as well is that, I mean, we acknowledge, we get it. Kirk Cousins is not elite, not Russell Wilson. You know, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Drew Brees. He's like most quarterbacks that are you know in the league where they are relying on what's going on around them. You're going to get good games. You're going to get bad games. But he's an above-average quarterback, so, I mean, he's a player that you can win with. Am I all in on Kirk Cousins? Absolutely not. Do I think that there's, you know, the possibility of him having a, a bad game in the wrong spot? Of course. Are there questions about, you know, mental toughness, whatever it might be? Yeah, that's who he is. He hasn't changed. He's been the same guy forever. I guess at what point do we just acknowledge that that's who he is as a player and move on from those initial takes of maybe not wanting him or he's paid too much money or whatever it might be. The man balled out. He had an off game. For the majority of the season, he's been playing very well. When you look at the you know traditional stats, he looks great. When you look at the advanced metrics, he's playing very well. I guess at what point do we have to adjust our priors to acknowledge the fact that in this situation that we have with the Minnesota Vikings, with the scheme and the players around Kirk Cousins, that you know, he is a quarterback who can lead this team to a measure of success. Like, at what point can we, every, like, every quarterback's going to have a bad game. Is it after every bad game that we're going to have to go back and be like, oh, well, you know, I never trusted Kirk Cousins, or he's paid too much money, or whatever, whatever, whatever the narrative might be. We know he's not elite. At what point can we just get over that, acknowledge that he's still a pretty good quarterback? See, and, and that, that's actually a really good question, Jason. <clears throat> now, and I think this is where, um, I think this is where, uh, and, and speak a up a little bit. We want to make sure that we hear all this. Many different. Sorry. Yes, uh, absolutely. Sorry. Um, I think that, that that's a great question because I think this question kind of illustrates maybe what happens in a lot of different areas, whether it be in politics, whether it be in sports, whether it be, you know, art or whatever the case is. This is a very nuanced thing where it's, um, I think both, um, I think both stances can exist, um, kind of at the same time. I think you can operate. He's not an elite quarterback. He's an above average quarterback. He is going to have off games. His off games will likely lead us to, you know, not winning the football game. Um, but at the same time, because he's an above average quarterback, meaning when you are winning, he's probably going to play a huge role into that. He's probably going to have you know, stretches where he has great, fantastic games where yes, you, you do, know that he's a guy that, you, like you said, can lead you to a measure of success. But it's because both things exist that uh, will lead people to believe that, you know, 
he's going to get us to a measure success. I think Kurt can consistently get you double-digit wins in the regular season every single year for the foreseeable future if you have the the uh, correct players around him, right? The problem is is that if that is the only measure of success, then yeah, you have the right quarterback. You have a guy who's going to lead you consistently year in and year out to 10, 11, 12 uh, plus wins. But then when it comes to the playoffs, if I see a guy who's consistently one and done, you know, you know, get you to the wild card and get you to the divisional round or get you to the NFC championship, but he uh, doesn't show up, gets you even to the Super Bowl and doesn't show up. That Does, is doesn't what that sound a little bit like, I mean, that's sir. QB now, wins. That, that, no, that's isn't that the thing the that we kind of, we, 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 we tend to poke a bit of fun at just, well, that QB wins. So he's better than that other quarterback. I mean, does that not take away from the idea that, you know, football is, you know, ultimately a team game and the Vikings are still a very good team overall? Yeah, but I think, I think when you make, I think when you make decisions at, at the most important, um, the most important role in all of sports, which is the starting quarterback position, um, you, you do need that guy that's going to get you over the hump. Yeah, but, the guy but I guess, yeah, I guess that's where we're at, Prince, but he's here though. Right? I guess that's where, like, big, these arguments yeah. that you're making right now, I'm like, if we're making these arguments before we sign Kirk Cousins, I'm I'm all there with you. I get it. I understand making those arguments at that point. If the team continues or Kirk continues to be as inconsistent and we're talking about re-signing Kirk Cousins to a huge extension, I'm there with you at that point and we can have those conversations. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like right now when he is locked all the way in as our, our quarterback, what's the point? From a fan perspective, what's the point? Like we know who he is at this point. But I think – but I. Yeah, 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 and I think, and I think to that point, Jason, is I do think that the conversation about whether to re-sign Kirk Cousins is already happening, and I think that's where it does feel really soon. But we're in the set; we're more than halfway through his second year, and we're going to go into the, the the final year of his contract. I think we're already having these conversations, and it feels so early because he only signed a three-year deal; he is fully guaranteed, and yes, he is locked in even until next year. But we are already thinking about, at least I am, like, hey, is this going to be the guy that, again, we lock up for another three or four years down the road? And I think those conversations are what what's bleeding into that feeling because people are trying to determine, is this going to be the guy of, our, of the future or is it just, yeah, we're accepting him because he's going to be the guy to get us to the next guy. And I think that's where the multiple conversations are happening right now, where some of us are trying to look into can this be the guy of the future? And some are just like, yeah, he's here, so we have we have, we have no choice. Um, and I think yeah, I guess the last point I'd make on this before I, before I get Miles in this because obviously we've been going back and forth here. I guess I, I see those as two separate things on on almost you know separate time tracks, right? Like we're in a season right now. The team is actually playing games. They're doing quite well. They're currently you know positioned to make it into the playoffs. What's wrong with living in the present and being happy about what's going on right now? Like the future is going to come. There'll be time for the off-season conversations. But if while the team is actually playing well, you're unable to enjoy that they're playing well because you're looking ahead to like conversations that might have to happen, you know, in, in February and March and April and all that kind of stuff. Like, and then we know that there's a very realistic possibility because it's the NFL that they could be not so great next year. Like, when do you actually get to enjoy the moment of them being a good football team, which is what they, they are right now? Are they an elite football team? Probably not, but they're a pretty good football team right now. So the, my answer is two things. First and foremost, um, I'm Nigerian, so we only get to 
enjoy a certain level of success or happiness, excuse me, at any point. But the second thing is, is like I, I am enjoying the game. I am enjoying the football season. And I think there's a lot of people, despite having these reservations and skepticism, are still enjoying the success that we're having. You know, are, are we maybe clamoring for a little bit more success, a little bit less, you know, nail-biting games, a little bit more, uh, less uh, toe-curling when, you know, the, the field goal unit's up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, we, we're 6-3, you know, but we, we do look for, hey, we're 6-3, 0-2 in the division. Um, you know, we just dropped a game against a team that, if we're going to drop a game, that's a game that we, it's fine if we drop. But then you start thinking, you start facing Dallas, and you face Detroit again, and Chicago, and you have to face Green Bay again, and you are looking towards, in the now, you're still looking towards those games in the future, and you're like, hey, I, I, I do want to see us succeed this season, and I want to know how real it, it is that. You know, being a team who is 0-2 in the division, but has six wins, being a team that, you know, is positioned right now to make the playoffs, but, when you know, we've seen seasons where we're this well off and this well positioned, and then everything kind of turns into, um, you know, what, I mean, we look at last season, for, for instance, you know, we're, I, I think we were kind of in a similar, similar point at this point of the season and things went the way that they went and we ended up being eight, seven and one. So I, I don't think it's going to be that season. Um, I'm still enjoying this for six, six and three. Um, but I, I, I still think it's okay for fans to, you know, sometimes temper their expectations and, Enjoy it, but you'll have a level of skepticism. All right, Miles, because I, I know you have thoughts, and I need you to get in here because I know, I know you oh, have hey thoughts because oh, I've, 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 I've read them in, in, in many uh, uh, a group <laughs> chat in which uh, you have some feelings about you know how quiet Saxy Prince has been season to date and uh, how loud he's been over the last week. So I guess what are your thoughts on what he had to say about, I guess, his reasoning for – for for not fully investing or buying in or you know his his reasons for you know maybe looking to the future and and not necessarily maybe you know giving Kirk the cre- credit we would like to see or, or co- completely investing himself in the season that's currently going on yeah i'll start i mean i, I understand the skepticism i understand the the idea that hey was this first uh those four that four game stretch like we know we've seen Kirk play at a high level or like, you know, a higher level. Um, and we've seen that the peaks and the valleys, you know, we've seen all that. So I understand the, well, is it's not about the, if he will, it's the, when will he come back to come back to earth type of uh, mentality? I get that because it makes, it makes sense because of the style of player that Kirk said that you even touched on earlier, Jason, that he is who he is. We've seen the really good and we've seen the really bad. Um, I think my thing, um, and my, I think my issue with with how it was um, from Sunday is yes, Kirk didn't play very well, but I think what what and and I don't know if this is an evolution of his game or or what it is. Maybe it's part of the how the offense is run too. My, part of my thing is the one thing Kirk didn't do on Sunday that we've we've gotten used to seeing when he especially when he doesn't play well is him making uh, like catastrophic uh, mistakes and doing doing things to really like cost his team games like making huge mistakes with the fumbles the, the like costly timely interceptions making poor decisions and he, I know he made some poor decisions or missed some throws um on uh on Sunday but I, he didn't make any of those catastrophic mistakes he the key, the team stayed in the game 
because he didn't make those big mistakes. Like, had he made one of those, like, really huge fumbles or, you know, those kind of scenarios, yeah, I really believe we'd be talking differently, obviously. But, I like, I think because of how well he's played those first that during that four-game stretch, I think maybe if this is, like, Kirk at his worst now, like, if you, if you raise up his, like, his, like, floor a little bit, that's just a positive. I'm not looking at it as, like, he could have played better and needed to play better for this team to win that football game. And there were times that he missed some easy throws. He did things, but those aren't characteristic of and normal from Kirk. We know Kirk's an accurate quarterback. So when he misses short throws consistently, on, like, like he did on Sunday, those are things that I'm like, I'm not really worried about that because I know he normally hits those. So he might have just had an off game. And I think it's okay to say Kirk just had an off game. And he still didn't. And he still had three touchdowns, 200-whatever yards, but the big thing was the accuracy. But he didn't make that catastrophic mistake to take the team out of the game that we've that we've gotten used to seeing. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at with it. Yeah, Miles, I had a question for you because I know that we had a, a conversation in in uh, you know, one of the DMs about a player that Nick Olson, shout out to Nick, had, had highlighted about your Herb Smith and... Um, you know, one of the reasons he thinks maybe the Vikings don't run tight end screens with him enough. And then obviously it's, it sparked a conversation with, you know, you and JR and Luke and Nick on the timeline about, you know, how Kansas City was able to mask um, their coverage. And really, Kansas City just had the perfect coverage for the play the Vikings were trying to run, blew up the play. And one of the things that I noticed when I was watching the game is just when Kirk dropped back, he didn't seem as as confident as in what he was seeing. Nope. Um, he wasn't really right. stepping in. He wasn't really, you know, throwing the ball with his... uh as much authority as we've seen in, in, in recent weeks. From your perspective, what was Kansas City able to do to make Kirk think a little bit more after the uh, the ball was snapped? Yeah, I think, like, you, like to your point, they didn't run a normal their normal defense. They, they did really good at adjusting their defense to fit against the things that we don't do well on, on offense, and that's those. Because uh, um, Kansas City is the type of team they like to bring pressure they like to do things like uh, get at the quarterback or um, you know make plays in the backfield like most defenses do. But like you said, what this what that defense did is they did a really good job because we know when teams they send guys in motion, they do that because they want to help identify what the coverage might be. And so doing that with Irv Smith in that instance, where he starts on the outside and then he motions back into um, in tight, that's their their way of saying, okay, what kind of coverage do we see? Because if their guy chases and follows Irv Smith, that's man coverage most of the time. If their guy bumps the way they did, oh, that probably means it's zone coverage. We have a perfect play going against zone coverage. In reality, it ended up being uh, man. And I'm curious and I wonder if in some of those instances, uh, Spagnolo, um, their D coordinator, had basically put in the defense, when we see motion, we're just going to bump and, and continue to keep our coverage, current coverage, rather than adjust our coverage based on what the motion does or to help disguise it, I should say. Um, so that's what I, I think they did a really good job of disguising so that Kirk couldn't understand what some of the pre-snap when we know Kirk's really good pre-snap. That's, that's just who he is. He's a, he's a, he's a really good player, um, you know, um, pre-snap and um, especially in the first and, and sometimes the second reads, he's really good at, at, at those and identifying those. Um, but in those instances, when you mask it so well, the way Kansas city did, like even to JR's point, he's like, I don't think I would have been able to identify that in the field because 
they bump the way they did, and you're not used to seeing that. And if you don't see that consistent, consistently on tape or like during the game, that's something that I like. It's just one of those really good play calls on the defense where it's not really like on the quarterback for not identifying it. It's just a really good play by the defense. I, so I have a question then for the for the both of you because um, Miles, you brought up a thing about mistakes and whatnot. <clears throat> Knowing that uh, Kirk Cousins is as accurate as he is. Um, and obviously this is being an off game or whatever the case is and being able to identify this as an off game versus it being floor. Do we feel, despite Zimmer, do we feel that we trust Kirk to be more on the risky side of playing because he's a little bit more accurate than, than most that look, he's Keenum, for instance. Do we trust him to be more, um, risky than we do to kind of play a little bit more safe? Kind of like he maybe did at towards the the end of that game because he didn't want to make mistakes. I guess I guess I'm I'm trying to understand what you mean. Like, do we believe that Kirk's going to go back to like taking more shots downfield or like? Yeah, is it is it better is it better for us to, um, you know, let's say we we let Kirk unleash and just you know, um, we're no longer saying hey try to just like not make mistakes and or you know not take risk or whatever the case is, do we feel more comfortable pushing him as far towards that direction? Or do we kind of want him to stay either in the middle or maybe move towards the more conservative side so then he's, again, avoiding those mistakes, kind of like maybe he was playing. Oh, no, that's an easy one for me. I want him on the uh, the risky end. Because Kirk Cousins isn't an elite quarterback, um, yeah, I, I want the the high end of the variance. Like, yeah, it comes with the possible risk of something bad happening, but for us to go on like a Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, you know, playoff type run, you got to open it up because that's what opens right. it up to you possibly getting, you know, those super high end type games. That's what gets the games where, like you said, Diggs gets involved. And when you're taking those high end shots downfield, that's what really opens up the game. That's when you really get to blow teams out versus trying to grind out wins. So for me, it's a no brainer that you want to keep taking those shots and I think the fact that the Vikings are in a place where they actually have a great defense actually makes it even more of a no-brainer from my perspective to take some of those shots and be a little bit more risky because you feel confident that if your defense has to go back out on the field and, and play, that they could you know, hold the other team to you know a field goal depending on you know, field position or what, what it might be. But yeah, for me, it's, it's you know, let it rip. Let's go. You brought him in here. Let him make plays. Right. Yep, yeah, I agree. I mean, to that to that point, because I, I guess I'm more thinking about 2015, and I would imagine Kirk's numbers are probably a little bit better. Like the, I forget what the the stat is, like you know, uh, mistakes per pass or per attempt or whatever the case is. I would imagine he's probably on the he's probably on the lower end of mistakes per per pass. Um, <clears throat> so with that being said, kind of like how I wanted 2015 to be, or maybe going into 2016, um, Vikings to unleash Teddy to, you know, have a chance to make more of those riskier passes. And I'm looking at Kirk and I'm like, well, I've, I've seen him, um, I've seen him take a little bit more chances and being more so on the side of it's either not leading to like an interception or again, you're seeing some of them bigger plays from digs and feelings. So I just, I wanted to shoot that guy over to you guys just to see if that's, Oh yeah, that's for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think, like I said, if, if, if Kirk at his worst or like, you know, that, that floor, which we saw on Sunday, if that's like risen and he's not going to make those major mistakes, I trust that he's going to make, 
he's going to hit some of those throws that he missed on Sunday uh, more often than not because I know that historically he's an accurate passer. So even if he's off a little bit, I believe that you know their games he might not be fully on. Um, I still believe that he he could hit and make some of those better throws, some of those easier throws than he missed. So I I mean if we start seeing a little if if Kirk's going to stay confident, stay and stay at that high level of hey I'm a I'm gonna you know that. Uh, you like that Kirk or whatever <laughs> the like aggressive pissed off Kirk. Like if he's going to stay that way, which you hope he would uh, after that four game stretch. Um, I still believe we saw some of that on Sunday. We just saw him be off. It just was, and it sounds like, and I'm not trying to make this an excuse, but I can say I, I hate it <laughs> is that the wind was apparently really bad in, in Arrowhead. Um, it didn't, I'm not saying it, it didn't affect the chiefs either. Cause it obviously they had to play in it too. Um, but that stuff does it does hurt you a little bit. It does change the way you uh, um, you play a little bit. I know for me when I played, I hated wind more than I hated like rain, because at least with rain, there's a little bit more of like a like the consistency still there. Um, like you can kind of get consistent with the rain, but with wind, it just moves all over the place. You never know. Um, it could it could be blown one way and then flip and blow the other way. So you have to adjust the way you throw the ball, the way you punt, the way you kick, um, a lot of that. Um, so that's where, like, uh, I wasn't there, so I don't know how bad it was. But from people have made made sense of the fact that it could have been, it was it was worse than I think fans even knew. Um, so I, I'm not again not saying that's an excuse because you got to you got to learn to play through that stuff. But um, I I just wonder if that's part of uh, the issue that he had on Sunday completing some of those passes because he does play a lot of games inside which to me I think is a good thing. Less The less effective weather, the better, especially when we have a guy like Kirk who does, who, who does need a lot of the things to be you know, perfect or, or at least um, uh, in a really positive note for him. So at least if in that, in that case, like playing inside, going to Dallas, for instance, or playing at home, like you see a lot of that, you don't, you're, the weather's not going to have an impact on the game. So at least you know that that's not going to affect anything that you're doing. All right, Miles. Well, you talked about it, and uh, I guess we probably should too. We got a game. Obviously, the Kansas City game, not the outcome we were hoping for. I think it's made, like Inca said, it's made uh, a bit worse from a fan perspective because it's a game that, you know, you feel going in that you should win. Like, it it, it felt as though the football gods were, were smiling on us in that game. Patrick Mahomes isn't there. They got a ton of people out. It felt like a game we should be able to go in there and handle our business. We didn't. But, you know, lucky for us, we play another game uh, this week, and it's against the Cowboys, who, um, when I talked to Eric, Eric and his friends at Pro Football Focus think the Cowboys might be a bit overrated based on who they've played season to date. Miles, as you look at this game, what are your thoughts on what might go down as uh, we head down to Jerry World to play the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good test for the Vikings. I think Dallas has a, you know, they have one of those, those, um, those offenses where Dak, Dak and Kirk are, I'm not going to call them similar players, but I think they're guys that uh, I'm a big, I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. And I think he's got a little bit more to his game than, than Kirk, in my opinion, just because I think the way he can use his feet, the way he can use his feet and do, and, and do things like that. Um, it can bring an, a, a different dimension to the offense, but um, I think they have, they have a really, they do a really good job on offense. Uh, with Dak and Zeke and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup getting those guys in, all involved. And I think Kellen Moore's done a really good job of disguising and moving some of those players around to help get them better mismatches. Um, obviously, they run everything through through Zeke for the most part, 
um, which we can attest that that the Vikings do a lot with Dalvin Cook. So there's there's some similarities there. I don't think Zeke can do the things that Dalvin can in the pass game, but I think as runners, they're pretty, um, they're both really good. Um, so I think there's similarities there. So I think the defense could do. Um, I think it might help the, our defense a little bit more with the fact that they've seen this style of offense. They've seen the um, the two the multiple tight ends, the um, the play a lot of play action, all that kind of stuff. Um, the heavy run game. So I think our it should help our defense because they've they play against it and uh, practice against it every day. Um, so I think that's a, a big advantage for the Vikings and obviously the Cowboys too. Um, and then you flip it for the Vikings offense. Where I worry, and I think the Cowboys have gotten better, is their pass rush. Their pass rush has done a really good job this year. Um, so I think um, taking advantage of some of that aggress- aggressiveness is something the Vikings are going to have to do. I know they've, they've worked in the screen game really well. So I think timing that up is going to be key, as well as making sure that you do get Kirk involved and get him confident early on. Like that first drive or you know, the first couple of drives, make sure that he's getting himself into a rhythm. And I say this because I, I know that I've said this multiple times. Get your, get your playmaker, Stephon Diggs. Okay, Miles, you're making some really good offense. points, and I hate to um, cut you off, but I have someone who just wants to say a hello and good night. So just hold on one second, and then we can jump right back into that awesome analysis. So just one, one quick second. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Good night. All right. All right. One more. Say hello and good night. Hello. Good night. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. See, we're a family pod. That's what we do. Yeah, so as you were saying there, you know, get Kirk in a rhythm, get Diggs involved. What else is on your game plan for us to dominate in Dallas? Yeah, I think. And so where I think um, the Vikings offense really needs to adjust themselves, especially with Adam Thielen out, is they need to make sure. And Well, it sounds like he's going to be out. I'm assuming he's going to. Um, but what they really need to do is they need to make sure, like, move digs around more. Like, you know how Adam Thielen, before he was hurt, a lot of what he did was move around the formation. He was that move guy, the guy that um, helps identify the, the defense, the defensive coverage. But he's also a primary read on a lot of plays. Move, if you can do that with digs, I really think that's going to be beneficial for them. Where, and I, I, this is where I believe what. Um, they they really need to help get him involved, but also help create mismatches. Like if you can move digs around, you're gonna and and do that a little bit more often, especially early. You're really gonna help get yourself into that rhythm and um, threaten the defense m- more, not just um, intermediately, but down the field. Because Diggs's skill set, he can do both. He he can beat you anywhere on the field. So if you're moving him around rather than making him a static player on the line of scrimmage. Um, I believe it just only helps your offense, especially with Adam Thielen out. All right. So, yeah, you mentioned it because that's one of the things that I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it was exposed uh, to to a large degree in the game and that once Adam Thielen was out and, you know, 
you have Stefan Diggs, but then you just have, you have, I mean, Ola B.C. Johnson, who you were a fan of, but I mean, he's still a seventh round rookie and Laquan Treadwell, who they very obviously don't want on the team as your you know, next options uh, in, in the passing attack. What else can the Vikings do? Like the Cowboys are obviously going to put a lot of attention on Stefan Diggs. So obviously the Vikings, they should move him around, make it a little bit more difficult for him to be double teamed. But what, uh, yeah, like what should they do to make things easier for Kirk Cousins, given that the other weapons that are in the, the passing attack, um, outside of maybe an Irv Smith or, or, or targeting Dalvin down the field, aren't really the type that you consider like game-breaking uh, options right. for the team. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I mean, B.C. Johnson, I think if he can continue to help develop him, his, his game, um, I and, and gain that confidence. That's gonna that's gonna go a long way because he's gonna play a lot of snaps. So you want to make sure that he's also getting himself open and um, and doing well because teams now have tape on him. So it's it's a little easier to not easier, but it you have you you understand what he can do now. Before I think early on in the season, especially when Thielen first went out, like the Lions were preparing like they were gonna play against Ola B.C. Johnson. They're preparing to play Adam Thielen. So that's the kind of game. And I think they have similar styles to their play, but obviously Thielen's an elite level receiver. Old BC Johnson's a rookie seventh round pick who just happens to be better than where he was drafted. But um, so I think if you can help, if, if BC Johnson can kind of get off to a little bit of an early start too, you can get his confidence raised, um, help, help him out, which also should help Diggs out because if you could find that second threat um, to go with Diggs, that's just going to help open things up a little bit more. Um, what I really liked on Sunday, and I know there's a lot of people on Twitter that are not a fan of his, and I'm I'm just don't understand what he's done to like piss fans off. But I really liked what they did with Amir Abdullah, and I know that they tried to get him involved last year, but it was a little late because he he came in in the middle of the season. But I really like the style of of play that Amir Abdullah has, and the and the type of running back he can be, especially in the pass game. You can use him as a as a like de facto wide receiver, kind of like what you know the Chargers do with Austin Eckler. Not to that degree, but he's got that kind of skill set where you can get him out into pass routes. He can um, he can do some shake routes. He can do some uh, in breaking out breaking routes to um, to create mismatches against linebackers. Um, and he catches the ball really well. You saw it on Sunday with his touchdown pass, his touchdown catch. They had a third down play um, where they did like a um, a little. Uh, an arrow route, you call it, to him that got, ended up getting called back because of a hold. But um, it was a really good design play because you got him one-on-one against a linebacker and he ended up winning that, that route and getting the first down before the penalty. So like stuff like that, like a guy like Amir um, Abdullah, if you use him correctly, he can help the offense. Now I'm not saying he should be taking away snaps from a Dalvin Cook uh, on a consistent basis, but he's a guy, if you get into third and medium, third and long situations, you can use and utilize him to do that. So that's kind of what I liked. I liked seeing that on Sunday. Um, and it helps Kirk too because some of those short, short, quick routes, um, you get the ball out of his hands quickly, but you also um, get Kirk into a rhythm um, and, and allow guys to catch the ball and run after the catch. Um, so lots of different things like that that I want to see. Then you touched on it, Jason. Irv Smith's another key one there because he's the kind of guy, um, even as a rookie, he, he's helping threaten the seams and the and the in-breaking and um, outbreaking routes. Um, and he's winning a lot of those routes. As a rookie, that's really rare to see for a tight end. 
but he's like a de facto wide receiver in his own right, but he's a good blocker as well. Um, so I, I really, I've really liked the way they've utilized him this season as a rookie and playing that complimentary role um, opposite Rudolph, which we've finally seen Rudolph kind of get involved in, in the game a little bit more, which has been, um, I think, a positive, especially with Thielen out, just because he is a big body. He's a guy that um, he can post up, and he does have a role in this offense catching the ball. So I think you heard a little bit where the fact without Thielen threatening the downfield a little bit because teams, they're going to try to take away digs because he's your main deep threat. Um, and you don't have a guy as talented underneath that's going to that's gonna threaten the defense as well the way Thielen does, the way he um, commands all that attention. But I think, if, like I said to start um, this kind of segment, if you can get Diggs involved and move him around the formation and near the line of scrimmage a little bit more, um, I think if you could do that a little bit, that's really going to go a long way um, because, because then, you're, then you're finding ways to keep them from being able to double-team Diggs because we know that that's what's going to happen. I like that. That is what so this is what we'll be looking for. This is what I'm hoping that we see is uh it's it's time. In my my Irv Smith breakout game, like full on breakout game, like yeah. like Noah Fant yeah. type breakout That'd be game. Great. It's what we need. It's what we need. So uh, before yep. we get out of here, you know, you, you've given me some great keys here. Uh, how do you think this game's actually going to go? I think when I when I recorded with Eric, Dallas were slight favorites uh, at home. Um. Where where are you thinking this game's gonna go? I mean, I I I think it's gonna be a really good game. I think both teams are similar teams. I believe they've struggled at the back end. Like the I think the cornerbacks have had their inconsistencies similar to the Vikings. Um, but I think their D line and their front seven um is really good. They have really good linebackers and good DNs the way the Vikings do. Um so I think there's a lot like I said earlier, there's a lot of similarities. Um, so it would not surprise me if this game was a really close, tight knit game. Um, it just really, I think it'll really come down to who who makes that that key mistake and who doesn't. That's really where so I'm at. Give with me it. a give me a give me a score prediction, man. Oh man, uh, <laughs> Amari Cooper might be out though. Um, sounds like he had an MRI today on his knee or ankle or whatever it was. Um, so I'm gonna say, you know me, I'm a I'm a I'm a little bit of a homer, but uh, I try to be a realist, but it's hard. It's hard to root against your own team. Um, I'm going to say 27-24 Vikings. Boom. I like that. And uh, that's it. That's all. That's all we got for you today. Uh, we lost Saxy Prince because, I mean, y'all know how that goes. If you're listening to us now, you've been listening to us long that's enough right. to know that uh, you know, Saxy Prince loves the AOL. So you probably heard some beeps on the show a little bit earlier. That was Saxy <laughs> Prince getting kicked out, trying to get back in, getting kicked out again. Because his internet or his Wi-Fi or his cell phone or whatever it was just was not good enough to keep him in the whole way. But obviously, we had wide receiver one here. Miles pulled us through to the very end. So as always, listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Miles, thanks for coming through. And yeah, we will talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.